Welcome to the Arcane Slang Show. This is our this is the first time we've had three attempts at starting a podcast. This is happening. We are doing this podcast now. Uh, three of us, Stuart and Colt. Howdy. Hello, everybody. I've been saying howdy a lot lately. I don't know why. It's You've also been saying cheers, which is really weird. Uh, <laughs> it just it makes me shudder, but I like saying it. There was a thing I read the other day. It was like uh, it was like different. I think it was a trash can Paul meme. By the way, if you're if you don't follow Trash Can Paul on Instagram, you have to right now. I think it's just my favorite thing on earth. Hashtag ad. But he says, uh, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm sure." <laughs> he uh, he does this one where it was like, "What the different sign offs mean on a letter?" And I think it's like I need to find it. But basically, if you write cheers at the end of a letter, you're a psychopath. So <laughs> <laughs> I finish every email. <laughs> cheers. Do you really? Do you really? <laughs> Hello. UK. Well, anyway, we're in New Zealand. This is a check-in here. Happy Monday, everybody, uh, wherever you are. Uh, Bolivia, uh, Bratislava, Bulgaria. Here it's Tuesday. Here it's Tuesday. Yeah, we're ahead of schedule. Uh, we finally, are coming to you from the future. We get, okay, we, Sean Connery. <laughs> you we are shuckle it. and then you shit. <laughs> Could be uh, a dog or did, a helicopter. Colt, why don't you take a minute and describe the surroundings yeah, sure. We are in an underground bunker currently in the clubhouse. Um, also, confusingly, the roof has grass on it. I heard it won um, an architecture award. Eric can uh, kind of explain that a little later. It did. It was just a New Zealand architecture award. Oh, cool. Not not just, but I mean... Is that like James Beard for houses? Kind of. It's yeah, grass beard. So the, <laughs> so the underground bunker we're in is a... Uh, Quasi surgery center and uh, dental, um, dental office. Yeah, Is this I was waiting sh- room. Or? I actually wasn't sure if Eric was bringing us in here for a podcast or a root canal. <laughs> <laughs> Equally painful uh, for the listeners. That is. No, but what's funny is we're we're inhabiting this kind of extra space in the clubhouse that's a back little area, and the, and the twinning room on the other side is the room where. The uh, Australasian tour, the, uh, the the Chinese tour. I don't know who's in you know, Asian tour the Asian and tour. The PJ tour of Australasia. That's where they have stationed their masseuses, which and this must happen on the American tours as well. Basically, the tour pays for the massages, and then all the players can just come in and get them. You know what's cool? They have a sign-up sheet out uh, just outside on the door, and I was thinking of taking it like after the day's done, and you would have every signature <laughs> all in print though, print first names of every player i like that you could probably also run some stats on who got the massage and how'd they finish you know you could probably do some good marketing for oh them. that's a great idea you know yeah get a massage you might make the cut <laughs> speaking of make the cut Stuart, why don't you give everybody a little uh how did how did i do it was about how, how did me and luke there. do it was a grind i thought i actually thought you'd done quite well started the day really well um you want to intro luke to me real quick um, I mean, if you listen to this pod, you hopefully listen to the one, uh, the, the most recent pod, which was the live experimental shot by shot, sort of, not really, uh, pod that Stuart and Colt, you guys hosted more or less mm-hmm. of the round. A lot of people enjoyed it from what I heard. Um, but, but Luke Toomey is the uh, wonderful partner that I was paired with for the New Zealand Open, the Pro-Amp format, similar to the AT&T, and he's a Kiwi. and um, has, has the same hair as you. Great hair. Yeah. Great hair, even a better swing, um, you know. And I uh, let the comparison stop there. Uh, but we had a great, <laughs> we had a great time playing together for two days. And um, you know, you guys, Stuart and Colt, you guys were there the entire time filming and 
so at some point caddying and, and just kind of hanging out. And we all play golf together as friends. So it's interesting to go into this, and it's like quite serious. It is, and I think the the thing that I found the last couple um, programs that you've been involved in, we are so lucky with the guys that we get partnered with. You know, mm-hmm. getting paired up with Luke, he was such a cool dude that kind of was down to have a laugh on the course and everything. And then the flip side of the coin was you were paired in the group with Peter Fowler, big <laughs> big Chuck big Chuck Fowler. Let's uh let's take a moment to <clears throat> describe Peter Fowler to the uh, to the people who have no idea. They're going to think it's Ricky Fowler's dad or, or brother or something. Oh no. It, Pete Pete Fowler is, um, for lack of a better word, he's an Adonis. He's about seven foot eight. He's um, two eighty. Yeah, two eighty pounds. He is the most military style imposing figure I've ever met in my life. Yeah, even though he's uh, he's a very light skinned man. He has a very shadowy presence. <laughs> he does. He casts a long shadow. He stands over you. I've been I've been to a lot of golf tournaments and I've never seen anyone ask people to move as much as Pete Fowler. Yeah, he per- <laughs> his peripheral vision is yeah. almost as broad as his shoulders. It's, it's almost as big as Monty's. <laughs> he must have incredible eyesight based on wh- when really and does. where he was asking to move. Like there was a he was putting and about a hundred yards away there was a woman in a cart and he goes. If you're gonna go, go. If you're gonna stay, yeah. Gonna... <laughs> if you're gonna go, mate, go. If you're gonna, go, go, if you're gonna, gonna stay, stay. stay. <laughs> Just get out of me sight. <laughs> and the thing about, I feel like Pete was one of those guys that he's got this really tough exterior, but if you chip through it, I. Th- I feel like he really is a big sweetheart. He's a big sweetie. Yeah, well, on, he's just on, a big. Like, he's a crispy M M&M. and M. On one green, uh, so Eric's lining up, uh, kind of his putt, and Fowler walks around to read his from the backside. And Eric goes, hey, uh, Fowler, what's your nickname? And he goes, Chook. And he go, and uh, Eric goes, nice shot, Chook. <laughs> and he just burst out laughing. He loved it. He chuckled. He chuckled. He's a sweet guy, man. You know, and, and even though, how old is he now? He's the oldest man in the field. He's the oldest man 59. in the field. 59, oldest man in the field. And by the way, like right up there, like, oh, like, like playing well. But at the same time, you got to, my experience of this whole thing is if you think pro golfers have it easy, you literally have it twisted because you're seeing the best golfers on the best day, the best round, the best shot. You're seeing red zone. You know, you're not getting the grinders, the thousands of people who are out there just like trying to figure out the depths of their own confusing swing and, you know, missing cuts and not, uh, not making money or whatever it is. It's a grind. I was going to bring that up. I think when you're out there watching the PGA tour guys and you mentioned that the guys that are, been shown the tv are the ones that are hitting the money shots and then you come to like let's say like a couple divisions down in one of these tours and these guys guys like luke and all those guys are proper grinding to make a crust and the thing is they're tremendous golfers look to me has the most make a crust i think that's fine all over it that's twice again make a crust could be the hashtag for the trip making a crust i mean i've actually had a bread i've actually had a lot of people writing saying i know what you mean don't let these Americans bully you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's they're probably going. And you look at um, Toomey and he has a picture-perfect swing. Oh, so good. It's immaculate. So good. And you just realize how tough it is to really get it to the top. Well, and at the end, I mean, playing next to them the entire day, you look at like their ball placement, he'll be like left center of the fairway. And then he puts the ball there. And then he's like, all right, you know, the green goes a little right to left. And he puts the ball there and he's got a 10-footer. 
and then you just burn the edge. It, it the, the the entire pro golf game is just like, it's just like can you putt? It's yeah. insane to me. Can you read a putt? And can you stroke a putt? That's all that matters. Have you game. ever seen anyone like burn so many edges of putts in your life? That was looked the last couple of days. I mean, I would say at least at least ten, somewhere around ten to ten to fifteen over two days, at least. Yeah, I, at some point I was just like, man, this is. Uh, you know, it's it's it. You almost can't even talk to him about it at that point because you're like, you, you just you're so close to just like literally unlocking, just the winning score. Let's I mean, be honest. I mean, they shot. Uh, I think um, Toomey finished at one over for two days, yeah. and Chuk finished at two under for two days, and we were all very impressed with how they played. I mean, Chuk was just you know sighting pins all day. He really yeah. warmed up, especially the second yeah. round. Played really well. He almost jarred a couple. He literally wedges yeah. almost articles. So, so did Toomey. Yeah, and sure. they and, and they honestly really amazed me. And I'm like, wow, this is professional golf. Then you look at the leaderboard, and the leader's like 16 under, and you're yeah. like, whoa, these guys are like 15 back. Yeah. First of all, what would it even look like to play with a guy that shoots 16 under for two days? And what sort of level? What's the difference there? Yeah. What is that level up? Well, and I was even like thinking when we did, we talked about this a little bit last night, like, like the guys that are in the lead, like I would be terrified to be in the fairway with them because I would just be like, I'm going to, it's like a house of cards, you know, because, because the mind of a golfer is pretty fragile. And I was even thinking about it. Like there's nothing, there's honestly, there's nothing from a totally serious perspective. I don't, I can't think of anything that would hurt as much as watching a great guy like Luke or Peter, like spray, not do well, spray one, you know, like we watched. Or miss a short putt. There's only, I think, one short putt missed, and that was by Chuk on yeah, the par five there. The par five on yeah. like 12 or something that, like that. I was like, what? It yeah. was like a two-footer. Because they, they literally made everything. I mean, it was automatic. Yeah. Five, six, and in. Um, but yeah, so it was. it's a really interesting experience to be so close to professional golf in a way where, you know, because with Cam Smith at the Genesis, it's like, we're just juicing. We're just having a good time. We're just joking around, hitting shots. He doesn't care if he's missing. But now they care, and they care in a different way where it's like, you know, Cam Smith has got probably a hefty Titleist contract. I don't know what these guys have down here, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of Titleists, huh? Um, the, uh, the Peter Fowler story. So, so he's the oldest guy in the field. He's grinding. He, did you guys hear we were in the fairway, and he met his wife at a golf tournament? Oh, vaguely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he said, I said, where'd you meet your wife? He said, at a golf tournament, she was in a moment of weakness. <laughs> I feel like every person Peter Fowler meets is in a moment of weakness as soon as his presence comes close yeah. to you. Peter Fowler is like is like if you took one of the James Bond villains but made him as nice and as as, as like suave as James Bond, but he looks like a James Bond villain. And but twice as strong. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, you accidentally hit uh, a couple putts. You accidentally tapped it on yeah. one occasion. Was that because of Peter Fowler? It and was on that hole. Let's also hole remember what shanked. hole that was, yeah. It was the hole where he shanked, I think, six on the front nine or seven. Um, yeah, Fowler shanked a 60-degree wedge from 10 feet off the green. And, I mean, we were all t- laughing. so uncomfortable that it became humorous. It was one of the most awkward right. moments of my life. It was so sad. I know. It was it like was, watching a player get hit. Which happened on the first was It, it <laughs> honestly was the same thing. It's sad. It's scary. But yeah. so, for some reason, the way you react is laughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like watching an accident, right? You just can't look away. You have to like make a joke to diffuse the seriousness of the situation. I did find myself throughout the round like this is too much. I can't. This is a grind. I can't handle it. This is too serious. Like I can't handle. Like we were talking about it's like that movie. You can't handle the truth. Like I can't handle yeah. the real shit. The real <laughs> pro golf. But we spoke about this at waste management. Um, 
Monday to Wednesday, all the players are all chill, they're all laughing, uh, and you can say what's up to them, and they'll have a chat, and then we bumped into a couple of them on Thursday, first day tournament day, and you say what's up, and they literally go, hi. <laughs> and it is pure focus zone. And like you say, that's the difference playing the Wednesday with Cam, and it's all jovial and fun and whatnot, but then you get to the Thursday, Friday, and these guys are literally trying to make money. And you don't, and it can be awkward for us as well because you mm-hmm. don't really want to talk to them. Not at all. You, you don't didn't wanna... even want to take a picture with them with a the long lens. Yeah, I was. I didn't <laughs> want to take photos. And, and Luke said, um, those photos are great. Can you take some more photos, please? And I'm like, I don't want to be putting you off, though, because mm-hmm. like you're literally out there trying to make money. One thing you they know? do really well, and Eric, we were talking about this when uh, when I was caddying for you. We, Stu and I switched off. I did the front nine. Is that... I think the pros do such a good job of controlling their intensity. I was saying it's like a mm-hmm. dial. They really dial it up during the shot, and they can dial it back after the shot and in between shots while walking. That's something that we struggle with doing as non-professional golfers, right, is we're kind mm-hmm. of intense until we burn out. And then you play the last 12 holes, you know, with just like totally exhausted. Um, so it was interesting to kind of watch them. Stuart, like you were saying, they can just on a dime snap back into that focus and you have to they're out there i mean literally the last especially in a pro-am setting like this they're out there we were out there for 12 hours playing golf you know and they're not hitting that many shots and they're again like golf you're only swinging for a certain amount of time right so within that 12 hours you really have to be careful with um you know dialing in that intensity and And how you keeping that energy yeah and how you use that energy yeah yeah, absolutely. I find it exhausting, like just mm-hmm. totally exhausting. So, and to the extent where it was actually really funny, we yesterday was the uh, was the last day where we were playing. Uh, we didn't make the cut, and you know we had an early tee time. It was like nine a.m. We finished playing golf at like three p.m., which is insane. And you know, I mean, I was just like my like the ozone has effect, the sun is intense, right? There's like dryness. I don't even know where we are. Not, it's not even jet lag really but anyway all i wanted to do is just like go into a dark room and not like yeah, talk we were zombified and um you know our friend reese is down here colt's friend that he works with that uh, reese lightning yeah and so he's like let's go play Arrowtown, and i was like i just don't want to but you know i think we do a good job adventures in golf sleep while you're dead that's one of the phrases <laughs> mottos you know it's like even though you don't want to that's not a reason not to yeah, right. you know, and that's a big part of when we travel. You know, like uh, so. Anyway, we went out there and played, and like within four seconds of pulling into the parking lot of Arrowtown, twelve guys, some barefoot, all t-shirts, some speakers. I was like, oh, this is the game. It's refreshing. The other thing is not the game. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's like it's like a weird version of the game that gets media and that people care about because it's a professional sport but it's not the game that anybody plays you know what this makes me think of is that i hear that from either players or other people around them that there's definitely a handful of i think maybe even cam was talking about this there's a handful of guys out there um that don't enjoy really playing on the on the tour on tour no shit but they're so good that that's their job yeah but for them they get to a point where it's literally their job and they don't enjoy it that much, and it's a grind and it's work, like you were saying, mm. you know. And it's a uh, it's a shame. But while out there and playing with them, you can see why, man. I at first oh, I, I used to really not even understand why why they could not enjoy it, and they're out on tour, and you're like this glorified lifestyle, making money, playing golf, traveling. Like, how could you not like it? And then you're in there with them for literally one round, and you're like, 
whoa, doing <laughs> yeah. this all year, day yeah. in, day out, that's tough. It doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I was more surprised that pro golfers enjoy the game because at some point it's just like you're just literally obsessing over this thing that's really beautiful and poetic and free form and, and, and natural, but yet you're in this beautiful landscape. You've traveled there. You've spent every second of your life since the age of, who knows, seven, ten, grinding over a flag and all you see at that point is the flag you don't see the mountains behind it i don't know i mean oh, surprising. it's surprising me when they when they do say that they enjoy it or when they go play like sb2k16 when the boys went yeah. down there and played baker's bay they actually have golf clubs in their hands yeah that's why it was a story is because oh they enjoy golf like us it was the most relatable thing that had happened in a long time that's why we like a shank that's why we like when they you know when um, fucking spencer levin throws something you know what i mean like, yeah, yeah like like we relate when they go play golf for fun and enjoy it without the dress code and just actually play yeah and that's I, mostly the younger guys anyway sorry go ahead oh no i was just going to say i want i often wonder that when does the enjoyment end you know it's like you take up this game and everyone does it we'll play it because we love it but then when does when you get to a certain stage does it stop becoming a game to you and it's yeah, like that would be a great question to ask our next pro golfer podcast guest because you know peter fowler i think the thing that i find so interesting about peter fowler is he's like a merchant marine you know what i mean and he just shows up and he's like i have a job to do and my mm -hmm. job is to like kill the scorecard <laughs> and i may not succeed i don't know where he's at in his year i don't know what his ranking is we don't we don't know that stuff we just show up and see him out there and he's just got his his like crazy reading glasses and he's telling his caddy to wash his ball in a very very negative tone of voice <laughs> You gonna wash sure. my ball? <laughs> but is he is Pete still playing like for the love of the game, or does he play like does he? No, this is only Pete, this he is only form it. of income. But he but like see that's the thing. Is it would he have enough to retire? And he's doing it because he's thinking, well, I might as well while I can still hit it out there because he can play, man. You know what? We should just honestly. Is he still here? Did he make the cut? He, I believe he did. He miss by one. You know what? I, what? Means? I don't know. What, if he did make the cut, we're going to get him on the pod, yeah, and we're going to find this shit out. And if he didn't, maybe we can get a text through to him and answer these questions and maybe maybe fill it back at the end of this podcast. So let's move on. What else do we want to talk about? I think also what relates to this topic is that you may see professional golf, and we're talking about the massages over here, and, we're talk and you, know, you know that they work out, and they have this huge workout routine. And famously, some people, like maybe Stadler or Daly, don't work out and are very successful. So a lot of people think, Oh, these go. I mean, they're playing golf. You don't need a you know a, a military regiment to stay in shape, even though a lot of the guys do. Again, come out here for a day or two. You know, your back I mean, will hurt. Your legs were sore. My <laughs> legs were sore. Like within six holes, you know. And it's just like you really under. Like I used to think that about basketball. Yeah. I'd be like, how are the, how are there so many injuries in basketball? Like, I don't get it. Ironic, because I also broke my hand playing basketball. But then, you know, I'd go play in college at the at the rec center, like a pickup game. And after a couple of games, I am, I was like, I understand now. I get it. Yeah. You can easily get injured here. Yeah. I was so exhausted. Yeah. So, it, it, and again, over the over the span, and we're just talking about two days. The tournament's four, by the way. We were yeah. there for half of it. You know, let alone. And we didn't play a practice round. That's another you thing. You need I the endurance. Think. You need the strength. You need to be worked out at the end. It's like a heavy workout where you need yeah. to ice bath after, or else you're not going to make the you know that that week or that month that you know four or five week trip that you have or the season. Yeah, it's intense. It's funny people boasting like, yeah, shot a uh, seventy on the weekend. I held it together for eighteen holes. Let's see you do it for seventy two, pal. Yeah, or like 
18 years. <laughs> Let's see you do it for 72 holes a week for 20 years. Before we, before we get off of this subject, yeah, I just cool. want to note the Fowler. Uh, one of the interesting realities of like Peter Fowler's life, for example, is his caddy had never met him. Didn't know the course. Just a kid filling in 100 bucks a day. Right? Didn't even know how to wash his ball. It's true. He didn't, yeah. Didn't know anything. Also guilty of not bringing the towel to the green once or so, but I corrected him. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I mean, this guy's a pro golfer. Like the the difference in that experience. Fowler's got what forty, fifty years of experience. Seriously, fifty he, plus years he, of experience in does. playing tournament golf. And this kid might be in high school here. Yeah, it, he could have easily been in high school, and golf's a hobby for him. Totally. And he's caddying for one of the most experienced pros, you know, in the game today. He is one double digit tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway. So uh, so this morning we got up early. Yeah. And uh, well, well, let's let's actually let's talk about Arrowtown really quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, Arrow. So we, so we finish the New Zealand Open. We leave maybe the most premier tournament in New Zealand, uh, and then we we get over to Arrowtown with some bare feet and some speakers, and we do a random golf club. And I don't know, like I got the spring in my step back, but nothing physically in my life changed. That's an interesting reality, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the same for you guys, Colt. You said you said something very nice to me, Colt. You said that you're you're um you're a trooper for being here or something like that and i was like yeah yeah no you guys like you you were carrying shit you're like waiting and the same it was the same experience i thought and i was like i'm just like psyched that we're all here and we all could have easily just like laid down and just sort of like right. missed a beautiful sunset missed a great hang but you know there's something that really wakes i don't know i think all of us right wakes us up about when we get into what we really want to do and what's really like Finding something new and and um, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess I wanted to talk about what it is. It wake, it wakes us up, but then also, like I feel like for us, some like sometimes if you have like a hard day at work, a lot of people just want to go home and chill on the couch. A lot of other people want to go home and they want to cook their dinner after a six hour shift because they find it meditative and they find mm. it a way to de stress. And yesterday almost felt like the three of us had. I mean, the three of us had been grinding really. Yeah. Like you said, like we're all you're out As there always. Forgetting and, stuff, running back to the car, <laughs> running over here. I, yeah, I lost my glasses. And and not, not, a, not only is that physically exhausting, it's more mentally, honestly. Yeah, so much. Trying to keep track. But then we get, so then you get back to the house and the three of us could have just melted into the sofa. Well, when you stop, you you want to stop that. for good. Yeah. It's and getting, getting to Arrowtown and seeing all the guys that had come out, it was almost like, now we can decompress, chill, and this is our own kind of meditation to end the day. Mm-hmm. Because like the vibes were good, the setting was good, and as even though we're out doing something, it doesn't feel like you're doing something because yeah. it's something you love so much. Yeah. So it's almost the perfect way to wind down, even well, though you're still exerting the energy. Well, it was also passive, right? I feel like the rest of the day was not passive. Like we had to show up, we had to be somewhere at a certain time, we had to certain behavioral aspects were expected of us, right? You yeah. couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. You know, Peter Fowler was going to make you feel this way if you did this. <laughs> Whatever it was, you couldn't play music. You couldn't really laugh. You know, it was very contained. And then all of a sudden we leave and we go to this other place where it's like, oh, you can just be yourself again. You know, and, and it was and it was interesting to me because it was an, I did not intend to do, you know, a lot of times when we do a random golf club, we invite people. This just sort of happened. Someone said, mm-hmm. someone just messaged. I opened up the message. They said, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, Arrowtown, six o'clock. They were like, we'll be there. And all of a sudden it was 12 people. 
I always, and that was cool. I always make this joke where, uh, you know, somebody might even say something like, oh, you guys are doing this? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I find out through Eric's Instagram myself, you know? <laughs> and it, like, I always make that joke. And then yesterday was hilarious because we're getting out of the car. And um, uh, one of our hosts this week, David, is like, cool. So who's com- who are we meeting? Who's coming? And you're like, Reese and a bunch of people I invited on Instagram. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And David's like, who's coming on Instagram? I was like, I, I didn't even know he messaged anybody. I don't know. I had no, I had no So we idea. rolled up to the punting green. There's literally six guys there. And I'm like, this is sick. And I think part of that is that it's exciting because we all love the same thing. And there's like, it's, it's almost like... Um, I don't know what it would be like to be a member of a club. I mean, I'm not talking like a golf club. I'm talking like, um, I don't know, Rotary or something. Or No, it would be like 51st Airborne. And you land into a foreign country and you're like, you're, a, you're, you're airborne? And everyone knows it. They get the same thing. They And, and by way of whatever uh, alignment we have around the same game of golf, right? We all just like are like, oh, cool, we're good. Does that make us the replacements? <laughs> no, Stuart, Stuart and I um, had a uh, had a moment yesterday where we just kind of you know looked at each other and we're walking down the fairway with eight people, most of them locals from here, and we're like, like we're in New Zealand, like this just isn't computing. We're in New yeah. Zealand right now, and we're with eight friends. I know no, I, I know Reese. I know one guy, you know, in New Zealand. Yet we're with eight friends that we've known for a while. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was it was that vibe. Yeah, just right. And the course was pretty wild. It was like each fairway was like literally the width of a sidewalk. Yeah, but I mean, one hole had a three-tiered fairway. There's three <laughs> fairways, all like like how I picture like a Thai rice paddy. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love the little wild. I love the little Himalayan mountains that yeah. were just kind of yeah. hiding wild. everywhere. Honestly, it was it was, uh, and I said this a lot last night, but it was it was some of the most fun golf i've ever played every yeah. hole was just it was quirky and yeah. pretty short and it was just you know you had all these shots that you've just never seen before yeah. it was probably the quirkiest golf course i think i've ever been yeah. to i had no idea what was going on no i was like are we going the right way and that's yeah. the fun of it too and by the way it was hard to lose a ball yesterday unless you know we hit it off property which uh, i think we all did i beg but, to differ but the uh, a lot of the i mean a lot of the fairways were so narrow but the sides of like kind of the rough if you will were just mounds and plenty of us were hitting it in there and it would just kind of pop off and roll <laughs> right. back down another fairway yeah it was fun it was very playable yeah it was definitely fun and i think for me it was just fun to like just sort of zoom out and remember you know cuz i think I think there's probably a point in every golfer's life, and, and maybe if you're listening, you haven't had it yet, or maybe you have, or maybe it was recently, or maybe it was a long time ago, but there comes a point when I think you kind of like, I don't know, I think as golfers, we spend a lot of time like driving the car with our hands kind of tight on the wheel, you know, and we're like really driving, and we're like, I'm driving the car, and I'm going to be safe, <laughs> and I'm not going to hit the wall, but I'm also, I want to drive, whatever car you got, you're driving fast, or you're trying to avoid the mechanics, or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden there's a point like in Fight Club, you know, when, when Brad pitches, let's go the wheel. And you just like let the car do it, and like at some point that that becomes the game of golf where you're like, this is rad. You're like, I don't care where the ball goes. I'm not here for that. That's the thing. Everyone in unison celebrates the good shots, and everyone celebrates the shanks. Yeah. yeah in fact, everyone. I, in fact, we. Uh, I remember on the second hole, I think I hit a, tr- a terrible shot. Colt, you hit a beauty. Someone else hit a great shot. Someone yeah. hit an awful shot. But the shot that got the most amazing reaction was when a guy just basically sprayed it 90 yards right and everyone was like <laughs> going yeah. wild going wild and it's, like, it's like that's fun yeah. it's one thing i've yet to see in an, R, uh, an uh, rgc meetup is a tantrum i've never oh, seen yeah. anyone slam a club because that's when a it's, it's never been 
if someone shanks it and everyone laughs, that person always laughs along because <laughs> who cares? We're all in this cool spot, hanging out with people we've never met. Well, it goes it goes back to like the modeling, right? Like when we watch golf on TV, we see Peter Fowler hit a shank, and thirty thousand people go quiet. In, it, you By know. the way, when Peter Fowler had a shank yesterday, having spent some time with. Pete, I literally thought that that hole we were on was going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of intensity and energy he has when he hit that shank. Like, just like, just like, the, <laughs> just like the edges of the fairway would sort of slowly catch on fire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like, result like, in a blaze. Something like a marble or a DC where he has yeah. these powers that, that everything around him. It's just... so funny because I think he ended up having like a 20 foot par putt and, you know, I don't know if this actually happened but it would have been funny if uh you know he because he rolled his par putt close you know a few inches by the lip and if uh you just went up and said nice butt (laughs) (laughs) nice butt i uh the the funny thing about the fowler thing is like we're hanging out with these pros like i have no idea what to say because we're sitting next to each other we're walking next to i don't know what to talk about similar to the extent that like you know i got a few pros numbers in the phone i don't know what to say (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to say when they make the cut, miss the cut, when they play well. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Do like, you just it's go, so weird. It's like meeting royalty. You let them yeah. speak first. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, have a good week this week. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think. Break a leg. <laughs> They're like, I missed the cut. And you're like, oh, God. I check. Uh, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break. Then we're going to come back and break down the James Bond experience. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody, time to hear from maybe what's soon to become your best friend, Blue Chew. Okay, here's the deal. Do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? I'm not talking about going to the bathroom. I'm talking about increasing your performance and getting that extra confidence. You guessed it, on the driving range. Nope, I mean in bed. Seriously, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue, not the color that your balls were before you got this wonderful okay moving on bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know it's the real deal i've tried it and i'm afraid to say i couldn't leave the house for beep and it's the stuff that works exclamation point you can take them anytime day or night you can even eat them in a sandwich i'm just kidding i haven't actually looked into that but the point is even on a full stomach Because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. For example, after getting your sandwich at Chick-fil-A and you realize that maybe you were hungry for something else. That's the phone ringing, folks, but it's not Blue Chew calling me to tell me that this ad is unairable. It's someone else calling me to find out if I really use Blue Chew. Anyway, hang on, because here's the deal. This isn't just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants extra function and to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Now, here is actually an interesting subject because have I, do I realize that you can always be better at something that you're not the best? Tiger Woods, for example. All right, I'm going to leave that there. I'm not going to go any further. Anyway, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. That means that it doesn't say Blue Chew all over it. I'm going to get laid in four minutes. So there's no in-person doctor's visit and no waiting at the pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. Unless you 
eat a lot of blue chew before the date. Okay, moving on. They're made in the USA, and since blue chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. That means you listening right now. Pull over the lawnmower, get out your pen and paper. You're going to go to bluechew.com and get your first shipment free. Free? Wait, hang on. Free? You're going to get your first... Jeez, I'm going to I'm going to text this to everybody except mom and dad, please skip past this. This is embarrassing. Anyway, you're going to get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code ERIC, E-R-I-K. Don't spell my name wrong this time, folks. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue, B-L-U-E, chew, C-H-E-W.com. Promo code ERIC, E-R-I-K, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, got a great read for you here. Stay tuned till the end of it because there is a massive deal at the end of this read. Precision Pro Golf, maker of the NX7 Series Rangefinder, is proud to bring you this spot on the Eric Anders Lang Show. The Eric Anders Lang Show is bringing golf to the masses, which is pretty rad. And Precision Pro is bringing accurate measurements to golfers at an affordable price. Their NX7 Series Rangefinder was named Best Value Golf Rangefinder by MyGolfSpy.com. You heard that right. Best value golf rangefinder at mygolfspy.com. With all the bells and whistles that golfers love without the bloated price tag that other companies charge, it's the perfect rangefinder to add to your golf bag this year. So right now, Precision Pro is offering $20 off the NX7 Series Rangefinder. Go to precisionprogolf.com, precisionprogolf.com, and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K. Do not spell my name wrong this time, folks, for a free... Uh, lifetime battery replacement, wait, for $20 off, and then you also get free lifetime battery replacement service. Whoa. Dude, you know how many times my battery dies in my rangefinder where I'm just like, ugh, grind. Give me a battery. They're so expensive. If you can actually get to take advantage of that, you could eventually get a free rangefinder by the end of the time. Uh, yeah, they're not joking, folks. Lifetime battery replacement services. You can check out the awesome reviews on their website or on Amazon. Amazon, that's what's up. Uh, to read what other golfers are saying about Precision Pro Golf Rangefinders. Once again, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code E-R-I-K, K as in awesome, for $20 off. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, folks, you know my favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three-stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um... And so anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously, and uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about. A heavy, there are some other companies making heavy golf shoes and i'm just like by the way i weigh enough there's enough going on i'm carrying a golf bag i'm carrying my team um tour xt changes the game it's lighter so your feet feel even better after a round and it still features that boost y'all do you know where boost comes from it and boost is cool because it only comes in black and white i don't know if you noticed that and actually they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other you know they, they were shopping it around and everyone else said, no, Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet. Boost on my feet. Uh, and it has an X-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability. 
Literally, it's not sane. It's literally crazy. Your feet will literally be like, I'm crazy. Best part, it comes in spikeless. Ooh, that's tight. The first spikeless ever in the history of the Tour 360. Crazy comfortable and perfect for the course. Get your pair at adidas.com. Thank me later. Follow Adidas Golf for all the latest and greatest. That's all true statements right there. Check it out. Go support Adidas because they're a good company, good people. I like it. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, we're back. Uh, that was a long break, but um, we're going to talk now about... Uh You've gone heli golf. You've gone heli skiing. What? Stuart, Stuart raised his finger. I think he's uh, Eric's about to talk about a Bond experience. Did you go to the bathroom and come back as James Bond? Because your hair's <laughs> slicked back. You've got on this like. I changed off. my outfit. This black. I'm wearing the same shirt as Colt. We have the same. Uh, we're wearing the same uh, prime knit. It looks, Adidas, way, it looks uh, better on you, Eric. Sorry, Colt. Oh, God. <laughs> Just took money out of my pocket. I didn't pay him to say that directly. Um, we, uh, you played, you've gone heli skiing. I have not. I, uh, so you've been, when was the last time you were in a helicopter still? Wow. Who um, says that? Like, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you know. I'm sure you know. It was a solid 12 years ago. Already. What was the oh, story? 10, 10 years ago. Uh, Cassandra and I were in the Barossa Valley in Adelaide for a weekend and they were, they had the helicopter. You could pay 25 bucks and the guy would take you up in the helicopter for five minutes around the vineyards. And being the romantic that I was back in those days, I was like, let's do it, darling. I'll take you in a chopper. That's a real quickie. Five it was. Minutes, five minutes. That's actually quite good for me. That's a, that's a, a five, like a, as choppers go. 25 minutes, $25. That's actually probably, I don't know how he makes money off that. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing, but that's Maybe only, that's why it's a bad business. But I mean, that was a very, very quick chopper ride. And today we got the full experience, Eric. Today we got the full experience. Colt, you had never been in a chopper. Never been in a chopper. Never been close to getting in a chopper. You uh, you do sometimes end up uh, feeling a bit car sick. Did you yeah, get that experience today at all I, I in, in the chopper? All. I didn't, and it really wasn't a worry. I don't know why. I think it was just the excitement level, so kind of got rid of that. We were very excited because we, we took a chopper, uh, thanks to David uh, Maxwell from this Wonderful company that's part of the large reason of why we're even in this country, 8th Wonder Travel. Shout out. Um, they uh, they hooked it up with a woman named Choppy, who someone messaged me on Instagram, reminded them of Jack Palance. Do you know Jack Palance? I don't know who Jack no. Palance is. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, <laughs> uh, the aviators yeah so apparently choppy uh you know reminded someone of clean eastwood which i can see mm-hmm. and she's a native kiwi and um has built for herself the largest helicopter tourism company in new zealand i don't know that actually i don't know that either i just said that oh, well that's probably true well if that's I mean, true she deserves it because she, she has is a an, lot of choppers she's an she's like five yeah, all gonna black say. choppers yeah just all black. there were a bunch of other chopper companies where they're like white yeah. and yellow and green i was like no chopper has mean. the black yeah. ones when we, when we were going to the chopper i was expecting just to get in any regular old chopper and we show up and it was like the limousine of choppers oh yeah this we, blacked out like glass we walked, with the leather seats. We walked up and I was like, oh man, it looks like a Black Hawk. And then instantly the movie Black Hawk Down popped into my mind. And I was like, oh. Black <laughs> that's Hawk. It. That's an interesting. So we're going in the chopper to um, 
to uh, to basically go on this sort of uh, you know a- adventurous golf experience where the company is called Over the Top, and uh, the idea is you take this helicopter up to a, a scenic viewpoint, and you if you're if you're paying for the experience, you have a picnic, I'm sure. There's some hang time. You go for a little hike where you are, but there's also golf clubs located there, and you can hit this amazing shot into infinity, basically. And so this is the adventure we're on, and and we get into the chopper and. The things that stuck out for me is as we're warm, she she goes, she looks at me and she goes, we're going to uh, start the motor. But what I first need to do is heat up the turbine to 650 degrees centigrade. And I mean, I can't fathom that temperature. Celsius. Celsius. Celsius? What's the difference? Celsius and centigrade are the same thing. But isn't how, how much Fahrenheit is that? I mean, isn't that a lot? Oh my! I can't even. Okay, honestly, you, you've, there's a chink in my that's, wall. I don't know. I want to say. We'll just I want to say it's like so. Hey, it's it's, it's 500 degrees at least. Don't touch it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, anyway, it was hotter. It was, I want to say it's going to be 1500 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was Celsius because I saw. I mean, yeah, it's all, it everything Celsius down here. Water what? boils at that temperature. Centigrade Celsius. That is it. What is the difference between centigrade and Celsius? Now I think, I think it's about. the same. It's the same. Yeah. No idea. Just uh, post the answer on a postcard to Anders <laughs> Lang. Yeah, we've got a public mailing address. Um, but anyway, so she's telling me that she's got to heat up the turbine to 650 degrees, whatever temperature grading system. And I was just like, I couldn't, like, the, it was early, but it wasn't that early for me to not be able to comprehend the temperature. I was just like, that is so, I was like, there's something near me that hot right now? How long would you what? have thought that that would have taken? Yeah, so that's what I was going it to say. It happened in like 10 seconds. Yeah. Not even? You watched the dial, you watched the yeah. thermometer, and it literally just went boom. It went, brrr. yeah, it was like 100, 200, 300. And I was like, what on earth is, is this? Like, I don't understand. I know, by I don't way, understand. By the way, the thing just takes off, there's no briefing like an airplane. No, well, so before we even take off, the, the next thing that happened is she opened up the window, <laughs> we're still on the ground, and I'm like, you know, I'm remembering how I used to be afraid of flying at this point. I don't know about you guys. But I'm like, oh god! There's a four-point harness around my chest. I've got like the Iron Man, like thing on my chest, like, <laughs> clicking everything in, and I'm sitting next to Choppy, who just like maybe she doesn't want to live anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I can't get her vibe. And then she opens the window and she goes, ah, "Jet fuel." <laughs> <laughs> it's, right? it's, and, and that's really... the moment I trusted her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she's going through a few things and she goes. Um, checking the gauge and she goes here's the altitude here's the airspeed here's everything we're going to need to know before we take off and she goes give it a little minute we then needed to defrost the window she's like we need to give it another minute because we can't see and then she goes oh here's the fuel she goes and the only time you have too much fuel is when you're on fire and what a way we all, <laughs> we all felt that one yeah. Yeah. that she had a very dark sense of humor still does apparently Be- if she's as long as she's still alive it's funny though, because uh, being in a helicopter like that, when it is your first time, I mean, it's been that long since I was in one. Essentially, it was my first time again, and um, it feels like you're swimming in shark-infested waters. You're like, oh, <laughs> what have I signed myself up for? Yeah. You know, because you're like, yeah. you can only think of horror stories. My my whole thing was, um, I was thinking, David Okolo, I hope you can present as well as film eventually. <laughs> we are going down, and I right. saw I saw the headline and everything. Yeah, yeah. No, you know? I mean, we did. Uh, we'll get there, but we did a few flights, and it was the last one where when you actually feel comfortable, you know, and you're yeah. like, all right, we're heading home, and then it, like, and then you think about it again, you're like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, we so we take off from Auckland Airport. It's uh, a little, right around sunrise, the moment of like maybe five minutes before, five minutes after, and we get up, and it's just like heaven. Like there's something oh, about being up at that at that height, and you've got so much visibility in the chopper, and you're you, feeling it. You're, you're, feeling, you're it. feeling it. I mean, that thing takes off and, and it kind of just like like nosedives forward and yeah. like gains speed and then Pulls just like you. whisks itself into the air. We drone every single day and today we were literally in the in drone. The yeah. It was be the drone. So be the drone. And it's a lot it more fun to be in it than fly it. It was very buttery the first like 10 minutes. Like we just were like cruising and I didn't even remember that I was ever afraid of flying. Yeah. And then we kind of come up and we're looking at these snow-capped peaks off in the distance 8,000 feet up. And like we did this, we, we hit this one uh, crest that kind of like came up right underneath us. And then once we, it was funny because like we're in the air and we're flying and it's all relative and we're in the air inside of a machine that's apparently a thousands of degrees. And, <laughs> and we clear this one little ridge line that kind of goes maybe a hundred feet below the runners. And all of a sudden I'm like afraid of heights. Did you have that where we just, we cleared that little crest and it was just like all of a sudden the earth dropped away. And I was like, oh my God, we are so high. You know you have a selective memory. You can't obviously um, remember every single second of the flight. The one that sticks out, that one obviously sticks out for you. The one for me was when we were heading straight for the face of the snow cap For a while. I mean, like, like we were not moving. I was like, if we go for another 10 seconds, we're going to crash straight into the And you even said to Chappie, you said, are we going to hit the wall? And she goes... Haven't decided yet. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you have, if you have any sort of anxiety, do not go on a chopper with Joby because actually, her jokes are so dark. Actually, I disagree. I once oh. went on a I went on a small flight with George, my old meditation teacher, and I said, George, I'm really terrified of flying right now. And he goes, Would you like some advice? And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, It might it 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 might be uncomfortable. And I was like, Well, now I'm dying. I really want to know. And he goes. Here's the phrase you need to tell yourself. Can you guess what it was? You're already dead. You're all, we're all going to die. Yeah. He's like, just repeat that over and over. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. He's not wrong. It worked, man. Because that's the only fear. If you're okay with dying, there's no fear of flying. That's actually a new t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay with it at that point. I thought, I can think of worse ways to go. Well, yeah. And then, so then we start circling this glacier. And she's like talking to David, who's in the chopper, and apparently they've done this a bunch of times. And she's like, "I'm looking for a safe spot to land." That I'm like, for the record, this whole scene was the moment where I was, you know, feeling a little more, felt my breath a little more, and was sweating a little more under the arms. Oh yeah, my 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 palms are sweating, absolutely, because I'm just picturing we land on the glacier, small pilot error, early in the morning. Picks like a like, like one foot off on the glacier, all of a sudden avalanche or I just, whatever. I just thought of everything I've ever read about Everest or Antarctica Me too. or anything. Well, and then we find out after we do land, we start making jokes about Sir Edmund Hillary, and he goes, "They go uh, that he practiced here." Did you hear oh, him right? say yeah. that? Yes, yes, he, yeah. he yes, practiced that cool. here. That is cool. And then you, and then you look out and you're like, "Oh, he walked up here. He was here. <laughs> he walked <That's> up. <laughs> <laughs> we flew." So we get out and we hit a golf shot. I mean, what was your what was your vibe on hitting the golf shot on the glacier? I mean, it was beautiful. It was just really surreal. The she, it was when Chobby said, "Just don't go too close to that because you could have a long slide." And it literally was the edge. I mean, it's, it was the end of the earth. It was death. 
It was she was, she was referring death. to dying. Thousands and, and thousands and thousands of feet drop. Like 7,000 feet drop. No, we were in a, a location that seemed innocuous because we flew there on a helicopter. But it was one of the most like uh, remote and extreme locations I've ever been in in my life. 100%. Did anyone else think, how thick is this snow? Yeah. Hundreds of feet. First of all. 300 feet, she told first, me. The, the snow was 300 feet It was a glacier. Deep. We landed on a glacier. She said that crack. She, there was a crack about yeah, the width that's what I was of say. a bed, ten feet yeah. away. There's a crevasse. A crevasse. Coat was hundreds stressing. of feet. That now that I was stressed about. Yeah, you guys yeah. were pretty close. I'm not she was lie. like, that could be three hundred feet deep. Oh, yeah. Oh, remember her line? Walk like a cowboy, think like a Sherpa. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't understand that. Me I'm neither. But I was like, I was like, I have zero experience right now. But sure, I'll shuffle my feet like you are. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, I, was like, I just turned into the Sherpa John Wayne like that. <laughs> so what she meant I was is like, like, get off your chopper and eat your ice. <laughs> <laughs> what she meant is that you have to shuffle your feet, yeah. right? Which I assume is just kind of checking that the ice is packed and you get your footing and that it's yeah. not abs- like a block of ice. Yeah. And think like a Sherpa, meaning don't fall into any crevasses. Mm-hmm. It was the shuffling of the chopper when we landed to make oh, sure God. that oh. Was oh, like, it was like your feet in a bunker. Fall. It was your feet in a bunker. That's yeah, exactly. You're just kind of digging in to get a little stabilization. Yeah, we, 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 she's like, we kind of land and then she starts like bouncing the, the joystick around and like yeah. the chopper's like bouncing on the snow. Did Avalanche come into your mind? Every second, dude. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm picturing chopper kind of lands and it's like, crack. And then just like the chopper like tips sideways, blades go down. And by the way, you're not getting, re- well, we, we could probably get rescued from there. But my thing was, first the, the first bit we were looking at was such a steep slope that I was like, the chopper's just going to slide <laughs> off the face of the earth here. <laughs> yeah. But where we did land was actually a lot flatter. It, it's, it doesn't make any sense. By the way, where we landed, it was literally the, it was the size of a large Scottish putting green, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it just dropped off. But yeah. that, that was literally the only piece of land that we could operate, helicopter or on foot. It's actually really hard to compute it when you think about it back like when you think back on it it was almost like we landed in a studio you know it's like it wasn't real by the way from here how many miles and how many you know we know it was what two how many miles up is seven thousand feet is what um like over a mile 1.2 miles yeah so 1.2 miles up and how many across that we just went this morning i mean it's out there. Yeah, probably, it, it was probably like a 100 20, miles. Was it a 20-minute flight out there? Yeah, we were going 100 miles an hour, so it was 20 miles. Wait, yeah. we were going... Oh, yeah, okay. Ground speed, 110. Seems a lot Air speed, 120. There. Oh, right. Really? We were downwind. Ooh. Tailwind. You feel so insignificant when you're up there. You're like, it doesn't even matter now. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can see the ocean, which was kind of kind of cool. And it's called the Tasman Sea, which sounds very warm to me. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was when, like, that's a different place. Go and try it out. <laughs> we uh, we uh, we took off uh, from the glacier, which was, you know, you kind of have some confidence at that point. It's kind of like you made birdie; you didn't die yeah, until you dip through the little, oh my, valley God. right there. I think they oh call that God. a. Uh, they call, there's a cool word for that in French. That it's not a saddle, but there's a like oh, in yeah. between the two peaks. We basically yeah. like, we basically took off, turned ninety degrees, and then just nose dived into another butte. Is that what you call it? Butte, Montana. Butte. It was a butte. And uh, and then just basically experienced like weightlessness, like four G's left oh, yeah, and right. G, yeah, the G force. I've G, never yeah. felt that in my life, and it just feels like there's a huge weight on your chest. And you're yeah. just getting 
thrust into the seat. It's yeah, cool. Colt, Colt was really struggling by then. Uh, I was kind of uh, faking that I was going to pass out, which might have been cool, but yeah. Yeah. A l- little we, more longer. And then we did the same thing where then we went over another crest and she just let it go into weightlessness for like. That was a little bit of a free A couple fall. seconds. Yeah. That was crazy. That was. That was. That was that was probably one of the most the, for me weightlessness is one of the most fun things ever fun yeah i didn't mind it but it's not fun <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed it would you jump out of a plane oh not voluntarily really i mean now that you say that i feel like i'm gonna have to you have to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did it on your home island that's right oh yeah, yeah that's, right. that's right yeah we did it up at um what's that air what's that airstrip there on the top? yeah yeah just Dillingham. north on the kamahamahama Kamahama highway <laughs> We go ahead and let that slide, guy. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! Kamehameha. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, then anyway, so so the that was really fun, and then and then there was a moment when we were flying back, we were like trying to connect with Choppy about the about some tour guide shit, and she's locked into the airstrip <laughs> trying to get coordinates to land. Oh, she oh goes, no, plane, no, the, the plane. plane goes, the we plane. had a plane. She yeah. goes, "I'm sorry, I'm trying to find another aircraft." We're supposed to go I'm behind being, this, yeah. like, a, not A380, but, a like, an A320. Is it Airbus? I'm yeah. being told that there's an aircraft here, but I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're all looking out the windows trying to find a plane. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of yeah. the weirdest it was experiences. Oh. I was just waiting for this plane. You're just like... <laughs> Mid-air collision is real if you've seen Fight Club enough. And uh, anyway, then we, we, we did find the plane, but there was a moment there where, because we had been so remote and like um, kind of uh, kind of like reclused on this mm-hmm. glacier, right? We're in this, like there's no sign of human life. And we're on a, like a like an exposed place where you could not survive for multiple days. No, you no. brought up the moon, by the way, which I thought was a good analogy. Right, it was very moon-like. What did we say? Oh, uh, oh the Alan Shepard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially when we took up, took back off and left, and there's just our footprints. I'm like, man, was here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should have brought a flag. We should have brought a random a random pin. golf club, <laughs> a pin, Southern Island. Yeah, uh, we uh, um. So, but then we were flying back, and, it, and as we were flying back, we kind of hit this little uh, like civilization, I guess, like little town on the lake, and there was something like really. I, it, I felt like this. I was say, I described it in the in the chopper as like bliss, but it was a really good feeling of like okay. And I think it maybe goes back to that Eleanor Roosevelt quote that, that uh, um, someone had mentioned the other day. It was, was like, do something every day you're scared of. Mm-hmm. And I think because, I mean, I was scared. You know what I mean? Like like physically, like, I don't enjoy this. Like, this is scary. But we need to do it. Yeah. We're going to do it. But there was something about getting over that and then coming back into civilization and being like, I'm not scared of the chopper anymore. We've already experienced free fall, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I don't know. There was something really, like peaceful about coming back and did you guys feel that way or was that just me well that's when i said uh that's because you're losing oxygen eric (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it it feels to me like you know when we do go i mean i always struggle with you know we're we're so busy that it's hard to be in the moment and we talk about this all the time where you know this podcast is really nice to kind of reflect upon that but like right now I, i i can't believe i'm in new zealand right and so we're here for a few weeks and we go back home and I'm, and it just feels weird that oh, we were just in Iceland, or we were just in Scotland, yeah. or we're just in New Zealand. And today's experience was that on a very small scale. Like we're sitting in an office in a clubhouse right now at the New Zealand Open, and literally a couple hours ago we were on a mountain peak, not close from here. Mm. It's I crazy. S- I said that earlier to I can't remember if it was both here. It was just cool. Um, and a couple months from now when we're in say 
South America or like I don't know whatever the next place might take us we always reflect back Japan or Japan in a week it's like in Japan in a week we'll be going remember last week we were on a helicopter (laughs) on top of a glacier in the middle of New Zealand and it's those things you always refer back and it's just completely completely surreal when you said that I I started I got a little tear yeah I remember that we were on top of the we were just walking away no we were leaving the putting green the second stop on the chopper tour Anyway, it's not about the detail, but you did say that. And I was like, whoa, dude, like that is the crazy thing is that, you know, you have these kind of like, you know, the, if you're, you have like this cave drawing of life in your own life. Right. Mm -hmm. And you make these little memories of like, I was here. I learned this. Like I, I met that person and I learned that lesson and you know, whatever it is, whether it's a golf hat that has a logo on it, you know, you had that experience, um, or, or, or it's a photo that you post or it's like something, a piece of art that you make. But, like, it goes by hella fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what Choppy said? She said, every time that, you know, you go up or it takes a guest up or somebody like that, it changes your life. That's what she said. That's a great quote. And I was thinking about that just now and thinking about this morning I knew, or even last night, I knew we were going on a helicopter ride and I kind of knew what we were doing. And I have this, you know, kind of vision of it in my head. And then you actually do it. And it, it surpasses any imagination that you had of it and that's mm-hmm. crazy and that's like you know cliche but like broadening your horizons or it's like better than you can imagine and having those experiences are so important and that does change your life absolutely i think as well it's the people that you share them with as well that you can then reflect back mm-hmm. on those experiences with you know yeah like we always do the remember this and yeah and the we songs. were all there and we had this like same emotional experiences and whatnot and it's just such a cool thing to share you know it was interesting too because shortly after that we were in the car and we were dealing with some work stuff that like some some there was a, it's not a detail that's really important but the idea was there was an error that happened in a in a um in a piece of uh, content that was sort of being pushed out and it was an error and we had spent a lot of time kind of trying to avoid the error and it, it left me with an extreme like extremely acute feeling of like anger and I was like really upset. And I realized, like, after we solved the problem and I was like, okay, I realized, like, as we went for brunch in the middle of Queenstown, I went for, like, a walk really quick. And I realized that the reason why that made me so upset is because I had the experience that my time, our time, was wasted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I realized, you know, a lot of people ask you, like, what's the thing that annoys you the most? Like, when you look at the Proust questionnaire or inside the actor's studio, like, what do you hate? Like for me, it's wasted time. I hate feeling like my time is being wasted. And I think that's because when we come places like this or wherever we go or whatever we do, it's like, dude, Warren Buffett, the one thing you can't buy, right? What's the most valuable thing in his life? Time. 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 It's crazy. You know what I mean? Because I don't know, we go all over the place and you, and you, you know, you, 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 you experience something and then you're gone and then you look, and then all you can do is look back on it. You know what I mean? No matter how how simple the memory is or how great the memory is, it doesn't matter whether you're on top of a mountain or wherever it is. But it's like that's like that's like the the it doesn't matter whether what measurement you use to measure time in it doesn't matter. You know, it's a day, a week, whatever, an hour, a place. But it's just it is it it I go psycho when I feel like the time is slipping away. I don't have control, or like it's just sort of not being used wisely. I have that personally when I feel like, you know, if I make an error of some sort and I waste either my time or our time or somebody else's time, it's 
the frustration with myself. That's what gets me. Mm. Yeah. Because you know? I care. I you know, we all care so much about it. And they, you know, uh, uh, even a small mistake like today that, you know, it, it, it is a small mistake. And it on, on one hand, it does mean a lot. And on the other, it doesn't. It's it's small. Um, but because we care so much, it's like frustration in yourself for like not performing. It's yeah, really, sure it's, draw the lines to it's really and, easy to get super hard on yourself. Yeah. When you make a mistake, but again, it's because we care so it much. Means you care. You know? To be clear, though, what I was referring to wasn't a human error. Sure. Was we didn't make a mistake. Yeah, sure. it wasn't us. It was, and in fact, we go to, out to uh, we go to I would say a pretty extraordinary degree to even uh, foresee potential poss- uh, you know mistakes that could happen, and we do a good job of preventing a lot and, and learning from our mistakes when we can. But I just I just realized like whatever it is, I mean, even like like remember when Finch drove an hour in the wrong direction to meet us in Cruden Bay. Oh, that like would, if that was me and you I would have drove you up and if I was on one like I would go crazy like I'd be like fuck dude like these I'm going to meet yeah I don't know I just you're, like you're missing out on time you're missing out on that experience you would have yeah I don't know it's interesting but uh, I don't know how you contextualize that really but it's, it was interesting for me to learn oh this is the thing that I hate the most on in my life right. in, in, in my experience of being alive right now the thing I hate the most is wasted time and I think that's really what comes down to like the Arrowtown decision. Like, go play the New Zealand Open? Yeah. Let's take a break, and then we're going to go play golf again. Because we have yeah. the time to do so. Yeah, because I would, I would, ref- I would prefer to uh, not have fun than feel like I had wasted my time. That's kind of like what you said about your shot yesterday. It was an ace cam, and I was out of battery. And I was like, and I had to, I was like, Eric, stop, stop, stop. I'm out of battery. Let, let me change it. And you're like, well, I guess I would uh, rather shank it on ace cam or what was it rather yeah, than yeah, uh, yeah. hit a good shot without it rolling or something yeah, like yeah. that <laughs> i'd rather shank it with a with a rolling camera than make it and not have it recorded be recorded because at this point now with the ace cam <laughs> we're too deep the, <laughs> we yeah. got pretty close though fowler yeah. and uh, oh my Toomey god knocked down oh some tight ones yesterday yeah it's I wonder gonna if Ace Cam will ever happen. I it's going to no, happen. I, I don't even question it. Seriously, really? I've never even thought of it not happening. To be honest, really, it's just when it does. Especially like these meetups when there's like ten guys there. That's I've been in that. I'm playing like two or three par threes and all the time. It's gonna happen. Someone did mention on YouTube the other day. They said you should get a uh, a tight shot of the green. And and honestly, I thought about it and I was like, no. Because it's not about the ace. Yeah, it's not about the ball it's going not, in the hole. It's about the reactions. It's the reaction. of like, by the way, if you have ten people that literally flip upside down and take their clothes off, they weren't lying. I want to see like, that. We're not going to fake. If if someone even remote, if we post an ace cam where someone got it and someone says it's not real, I'm going to find them. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you. I have a specific set of skills. <laughs> I'm going to find them and I'm going to bring one person. <laughs> Peter Choppy. Valor. Oh. Peter Valor. <laughs> oh, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you question my ace, but I want you. <laughs> no, it's good. I had a really weird uh, moment yesterday when I was filming Ace Cam, and obviously in the middle of a professional tournament. So you're talking to Cam, going, "We have an Ace Cam coming up." Usually it's like Ace Cam, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and yesterday it was like Ace Cam, we're on number seven. It's so good. And uh, and then I thought I was just, I was filming. Pete and I goes to myself what if he holds this right now what am I going to do because like people might go woo and clap we are going to lose it yeah. if someone get if someone jars it on ace cam he would have he would have become part of the team and can you imagine it happened in a professional tournament 
Oh, and like big Chuck Fowler just kind of like shrugged it off, and we were all doing cartwheels and oh my God, taking our great. clothes off in the fairway. I wonder if I think it'd be better if it wasn't a pro though. For sure, yeah, I'd love it to be just somebody's first, time someone's playing first golf. time, first time. Whoa, so no one gets a hole in one first time playing golf. Never. Oh, saying yeah. that immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, golf question for Eric Lang over here. You've played a few courses this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. These two courses, Millbrook. The Hills, The Farms, a part of three at The Hills, and then Arrowtown yesterday. What's your favorite hole? Hole. So far. Um, I mean, the one sticking out is the last one we played at Arrowtown, but that's also the last one we played. Um, you know, <laughs> totally, uh, always the last one. Yeah, it's always the last <laughs> one. Um, you know, it was just a straightaway par four that the fairway was completely secluded by a mound. I mean, favorite hole. I, I guess I'm talking more. Not design, but more more on that side rather than how you play that whole. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. gonna say is yeah, um, no, I mean I hit the ball well, but that's not why I liked yeah. it the best. Yeah, exp- I, it, it had a weird little thing where you know David McClay kid says the way to make a golf hole is to offer a peak, right? P E E K, right? And so when you walk up to that hole, you have no idea what's going on, but then when you kind of shimmer around the fairway, you see the uh, on the tee box, you see the flag way out there, and you're like, whoa, is it just straight? And then you realize that it's just straight, but like the fairway itself is hidden inside like a crevice. I thought that was really Arrowtown interesting. That, really that was well. kind of Arrowtown. That was Arrowtown. That was Arrowtown. Yeah. 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 yeah, that was the last hole there. And um, I mean, I don't know. We, we, we had our feelings about the hills and Millbrook um, being sort of, you know, we, we, we're coming at this from a very different world, right? Scotland, I was just gonna say it's we don't, we don't have the same ideas as everyone else when it comes to things like that. Well, it's and it's not a knock on those courses or anything. It's you know uh, about yourself having such a different experience playing Arrowtown with a bunch of people like random golf club. That's who probably. you are, Eric. You know, like and probably that's what you're going to enjoy. And tournament golf is so outside of that 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 that's just a new experience for you. Yeah. You know? And by the way, some people would come here and go, "The Hills is the best course I've ever seen in my life." Hundred percent, and yeah. that would be true. And it yeah, is because it's amazing. I mean, oh my god, are you like the scenery around here? Oh, is it's incredible, insane, sanity. It's incredible. You have I've, three sixty mountains surrounding you. It's like it's a it's we were saying mashup of Iceland, mm, Scotland, Scotland, maybe it's, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, Jackson. <laughs> I just keep seeing Jackson. Jackson, Hall. Wyoming. I just haven't yeah. been there, but yeah. Well, yeah, I'm we'll sure go. It looks exactly like we'll, it. We'll go to Blake Mykoski's house. <laughs> um, anything you guys want to add before we uh, power down and let everyone get on with their lives? Any questions for me? <laughs> that's always a great podcast um, Eric can I just ask you to write a letter to golf please it's just a little something that Colt and I do on the show um. <laughs> <laughs> alright well, it's been a great show everybody thanks you, really, you, don't really, you don't really want to do that no you it, not. what no you. I want you to do it yeah. I don't think I can I don't know Oh, oh, here we oh, go. That's a challenge. Write a quick letter to New Zealand right now. Oh, yeah. oh. oh I like that. Well done, Colt. Yeah. All right, let's That's try good. this. Let's try That's this. Good, Colt. Thanks. Uh, dear New Zealand, uh, if we had gotten off the boat at a different stop, you'd be Australia. <laughs> hey! <laughs> By the way, that was a that was a quote from Peter Thompson's son yeah. of what Peter Thompson said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah classic, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's theft right there, but I'll take it. But it's clever. Um, no, to New Zealand, I mean, just as always, whenever we travel anywhere, the experience that I have over and over and over is 
gratitude on many, many levels, right? Gratitude for the opportunity to be able to call this my job, for the opportunity to bring all of us together to basically go on like a never-ending financed buddies trip, for the opportunity to, you know, create our own points of interest that that actually are interesting to us and, and uncover things, for the locals that are like, interested and interesting and curious and like willing to like tour guide in some way that's not hammed you know that's just like this is interesting let's go um for the people that message and say i'm in queenstown i know you know by the way i've dipped into the dms i know there's a lot of people saying i'm here i'm here i'm here i want to make it happen i i don't know how so i'm we're still trying to figure that out we barely have enough bandwidth to be able to you know, do the regular posting that we already do on Instagram and YouTube and stuff and even this pod. So just bear with us. And as soon as we get the chance, we'll, we'll like figure that out. But that's the feeling really is dear New Zealand. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. And thank you for, um, you know, being so welcoming. It's always gratitude. That's all I feel on these trips is gratitude. And I think the coolest, you know, the coolest thing for me quickly is, um, you come to places like this and we do what we do and we love it so much. And, it almost gets to a stage where I forget people watch our content. Mm. Is it, you know, like we put out there, you get people coming up and yeah. saying, we love what you guys are doing. And it's like, that is so cool. That, How cool is that, that feeling that when is, someone approaches you and you're like, yo, we've seen your stuff and we love what you're doing. I'm, I'm always surprised so and taken aback. I'm not Me used too. to that. It's Me always too. like, oh my God, you watch this stuff? Yeah. That's, it, it is, yeah, huge gratitude. Yeah. It's gotten to the funny point where now if I see any, if I realize who our demo is, it's like, it's like high school kids, which is, which yeah. is really why I've kind of tried to take a, a front seat and like, you know what, let's like stop. Like we can, we can, we can, uh, clean up a little bit, you know, when it comes to like language yeah. or even just types of humor, you know? So I've kind of been trying to do that, but it's funny because at these events you do see it. Like I was just in the locker room, some kid came in and I was like, I bet he's seen the show. And he walked by me, and then five minutes later, he came back out, and he's like, do you mind if I get a photo? I yeah, love no I love it. And I was just like, dude, I love it too. You know? And, and Stuart, actually, I don't know if we talked about this on the pod, but you, you, um, you know, we're talking with TaylorMade about doing some work together, and in lieu of that, they were like, do you know someone who can come down and take some photos? We're doing like a, a little golf, uh, you know, event thing with Ollie and a couple other great photographers. Do you know anyone? And we were like, Stuart should go. So Stuart goes, and he's on the range at Goat Hill, and I, this is the oh, first time yeah. someone ever we, came up to you. Yeah, I this, think, is a, this is I mean, this is a week without, after the old course episode without, comes without out. Without you guys, yeah, like you get it when we're there as a team because everyone like recognizes the crew because we have six backpacks hanging <laughs> from us, so we automatically <laughs> draw attention <laughs> to ourselves. But uh, stand on the tee box with like nine other of the tailor-made guys that were down there, and um, I just hear this call of some guy going, "Stuart!" I turn around, I was like, "Hello." And uh, <laughs> never seen a guy in my life, and I felt really rude because you meet so many people. Like, we meet a lot of people, and I have the worst memory in the world. So I was like, I'm so sorry, have I met you before? And he was like, Nah, I just watched the old course episode last week, and he was a, <laughs> and he was an English guy who was from he was from London. He was in San Diego for a week, and he was at Goat Hill Park. Incredible. And he came up and said, Gareth, that was named Gareth. If you listen to the pod, Gareth, shout out, man, thanks for coming to say hi. Because I was like. That is one of the coolest things ever. And it was like coaches takes you aback. I was like, whoa, that's that's crazy. Well, and the crazy thing about, you know, I don't know what it's like for you. I, I can't know. I know what it's like for me. But I would imagine that for you, the interesting part is 
you've done you've been in a lot of things here and there that we've done you've been a part of adventures in golf but you've never been in an episode of adventures in golf yeah so when people see stewart right it's very it's very likely that they were with you and your dad on that round i know well you just made me tear up <laughs> stop talking about this Andrew. it just makes me cry all the time <laughs> you know i know all right podcast over yeah i know no, but I mean it's cool. Like they, that's yeah. what that's what they got to go with you. We talk we talk about it all the time. The reason that the reaction to that was so good is because it's so relatable on so many levels. Yeah, and it is it really is just such a special thing that we created there. You know, it's but, crazy because you know we got to talk to Rick a little bit last night, and I can't remember if he was on speakerphone. Yeah, uh, when we were there, but at this like crazy Indian restaurant with his caddy that's camping out. By the way, best <laughs> best curry I've had in a long time. <laughs> Let's go back tonight. Maybe on Arrowtown, man, the Mantra Curry House. So you know, we're Rick Shields was like, "Yo, you guys are really like you know hitting your stride," and and he said uh, he said the word that you're um, it's really getting real. And and he said, yeah, he said he said the shackles have come off. <laughs> Whoa, is what <laughs> he said. He which which he's like he's like you know look when you go back to the first year of Adventures in Golf, right? It's a very different show, and mm-hmm. it was so different that Stuart, you weren't even there for that. That was uh, not none of season one. But like it was funny because even I said I mentioned this on to, on the post about the um, the uh, invitational video that we posted on Friday, and I mentioned it to. Uh, on the Instagram post, and someone commented, I don't know if you guys saw it, but some guy wrote, basically, I watched the first Adventures in Golf episode and I thought you were a douchebag. Really? And I was like... It's funny because I watched the latest one and I think you're a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's your fault because you made that. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, but he's like, you know, but then now when I come back and I watch the unofficial official golf guide or whatever, like, it's different. And, and I don't know if it's me that's changed. I think it's just the way we've done it is different no, it's, it's, it's real I think the thing is well, no offense you had no idea you weren't a TV host it was the first time I'd ever it's been on every, camera everything I mean even now you've been doing it for like four years now whatever so you're really starting to hit your straight the shackles have come off quote Rick Shields um, but you're always always learning yeah and for you to throw yourself into that it would have been a weird experience, mm. you know. It was like super that very weird. first episode. Well, and to be fair, I mean, you know, I, I I said what I said in the Instagram post for a reason. I said we aim to not produce and not create setups, and we always aim to just do what's really happening. And the reason why I say that is because, in some ways, Adventures in Golf isn't that. In some ways, Adventures in Golf is stand here. We're gonna have this conversation in ten minutes when the cameras are up. And that's a lot of kudos to you because what I've experienced, you know, shooting these YouTube videos is that. That's that's a huge priority on your list is to keep it as real as possible. And you mm-hmm. do that by, hey, sometimes you got to stop a conversation and you want to hear that, you know, on the podcast for the first time and react truly to it, you know. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot from your part to actually manage that, I feel. <laughs> it was really funny because this morning you were uh, we were on the putting green at like a couple thousand feet and I was getting this interview with Choppy and, and you were in the background crouching down like fucking with the green. and And part of me was like, I should stop and tell Colt to move. And then I was like, eh, fuck it. By the <laughs> way, I, I actually did tell him. Yeah, I was yeah. going, Colt. 
No. <laughs> Get that line. <laughs> typically, it's easy for me because I'm behind the camera. All right, and all right. I, I feel like typically I'm pretty good at it. But on this one, I thought you were shooting towards the helicopter. So I, in my mind, I thought you were shooting a different angle. And then I was like, oh, the green thing. So Reese told us about the two cups in the green in New Zealand. They have they cut two holes yeah. and they cover one up with this little piece of you know extra hole. And I thought it was hilarious that we go to this you know fake green on top of uh, you know three thousand feet or whatever. Or more, not way more probably. Anyway. And I find one. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I start digging at it with my fingers and stuff like that. And then Stu's like, and I look up and I'm right in behind of you guys. I'm like, that's the funniest thing. Because in Adventures in Golf, obviously, I'm the same as you. Always behind the camera, never in front. So when when we watch back the vlogs and I'd like spot myself in the show, I'm like, get out of there, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the the vlog vibe because it's not, it's just so... Um, hilarious it's hilarious and it's real dude like yeah, I, the, the real the real catch to the vlog vibe is you need an editor that's that's um that you can trust isn't gonna miss isn't gonna miss it because there's so much there's so much stuff. i mean we could honestly we, we could 100 make another season of scotland unseen footage from each course make the <laughs> same you know type of like make the same schedule of vlogs from each course and it would just be a totally different episode we could call it the unseen scene official unofficial (laughs) (laughs) thomas you've got your work cut out for you yeah we're gonna need to talk about that (laughs) not a half day or anything (laughs) all right yeah well we're gonna sign off down here from the southern hemisphere and uh we'll see you back on thursday i think we're gonna try to keep doing just like pods from the road just check-ins rather rather than because i mean we have a lot of canned podcast like we got jason kidd we've got uh we've Cheyenne, we've got a probably cheyenne woods yeah you've got uh keith reb cameron mccormick Sir bob charles Yo, bob dave, charles dave marticelli dave marticelli we, we just have like we must have like a dozen and a half podcasts just yeah. waiting to be sent out but i think what we're really gonna try i think we should try to just continue as much as we can to do tell the story of being down here mm-hmm. uh, we're still trying to figure that out on our own like how do we, you know, dive, dive, disperse whatever we're creating, you know? So anyways, always learning. That's for sure. Anything else you want to add? Uh, don't drink a liter of fluid. Before <laughs> doing a podcast. <laughs> hey, Joe Rogan holds back, it. Back. Does he really? He doesn't take a bathroom yeah, three break? three hours or so. He has, uh, a, like, on a few occasions, and that's always a big deal. Whoa. Yeah. He's like, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, he's like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I got to go. <laughs> I wish I never, leave and then the, the I wish I never brought that point up because that was to like let's stop talking so I can go to the bathroom. All right. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. Thanks guys. for listening. All right, so there you go. Speak of the devil. We walked out of doing our buddies pod and we saw none other than Peter Fowler's bag right at the base of the clubhouse. We found him. He's having lunch in the uh, players' lounge, and we're going to uh, get a quick Q and A with him on some of these subjects. We were, you know, all sort of downloading our own experience of being here for a couple of days. You know, Colts played in mid-ams, uh, mid-am one. I, uh, I've played in some pro-ams with other pros, but it's always been, like, fun. And th- this was my first time really seeing, like, what it's actually like. H- how would you describe it, the experience of being a pro golfer? Well, you get to work for yourself. Um, you're your own person. You sort of practice if you want. You don't have to practice. No one's checking up on you, so it's a it's a self-motivated sort of sport. Uh, we don't get paid, you know. We've got to pay about two hundred thousand a year for our expenses before you before you start to break even. 
So you got to win 200,000 a year to, to break even. So it's a it's a different. Um, so it's dog eat dog. You know, it's probably you know it's probably you know it's similar to tennis. You know, you got lots of expenses and you've got to make the cut. You know, um, to make some money. How many uh, do you enjoy golf? Only if I play well. Is that true? Only if you play well. Yeah, but I enjoy the I enjoy the challenge of trying to work it out, how to play better and you know how to manage myself better and all those sort of thing. And it's uh, you know I've had lots of ups and downs. You know, when you've been on tour for forty years, you sort of it always goes up and down a few times. So, are you out there walking around, for example, at the, at the New Zealand Open here? Are you out there walking around and you're like, kids? Like, what, what, what's going through your head? You're the oldest. You're the oldest guy in the field. Yeah. Um. It's uh, well. It's it's good. I you know sort of um. Like I said, I've been up and down a few times with injuries and losing my game and losing my card and and all that sort of stuff. And to to fight back, um, you know, enjoy the challenge of um, you know, um, well, it's keeping me fit, keeping me able. You know, like I think I, the body would probably break down a lot quicker if I didn't practice and train and, and, and try to compete and, and when you come out here and you see some of the good young players like Ryan Fox and a bunch of the guys um, you know it's exciting I my experience of watching you play golf was you're really 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 good at golf is that your experience this week I play I, I, I really thought I played played well except for my you know my my first nine the first day and the my finish yesterday, but I, I thought I played well, but I didn't score very good. You know, I didn't make one up and down. I had three three putts. Uh, there's there's ten shots right there, and that that sort of really it shows you how fine a line it is. You know, I'm two under par, and you you got the weekend off and no cash. Well, right. And so what's funny is you say that, and I can immediately see what you're saying. But when I'm looking at it, I'm like, he almost held out a bunch of times, and he sank a bunch of putts. But I don't remember, you know, 17 and 18. I'm like, I'm in the shit over here, too. I, I, I don't have that ability to quite see everybody's game probably in that way. How much does, um, like, who you're playing with affect you, if it does at all? It doesn't really. I, you know, I've, I grew up in my first few years as a, as a pro. We play a lot of pro-ams in Australia. So playing pro-am format is sort of nothing new to me, and it doesn't sort of bother me. I've got to take, I, you know, my, my focus is I've got to take care of business. You know, and uh, and um, it might might not be exciting, but that's just that's just the work part of it. And um, you know, I'd like to break out and sort of be a bit more flamboyant. But when you when you're paying your own wages and you got to break even, it's a and it's a tough tough school. Uh, when you say flamboyant, what do you mean exactly? Well, you know, just being being able to free wheel. You know, it's 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 not always easy. You know, some got you know. Because it's uh, you know, like I said, I've been up and down a few times in my career and, and lost my game and, and had lots of injuries, and um, it's hard work to get it back. So it's it's hard to sort of you know really let go. I think people listening, right? A lot, a lot of people listening to this are obviously not professional golfers. They're they're amateur golfers. They love the game. They play on the weekend or once a month or whatever. They don't know what you mean when you say lost my game. They might think they know. I might think I know. What do you, what is that, what is that? Well, you know, you, you get, um, when, when, when you play for 40 years uh, in a professional sport, you're going to go up and down. Like if you're in a team sport, you won't get picked anymore. You drop down to the lower leagues, no one will ever see you. 
and I've been down there and I've had to build my game up. It took three years off and I was coaching myself, but then I built it back up again and got back on the European tour and and then got back up where I was sort of semi-able to, to play the way I'd like to. Not not to the... But, you know, the game gets better every year, you know, so I, I play better, much better now than I did in my early career when I was finishing better on the tours. So it's... Um, but, you know, you you just lose it and and 40 years you've got to build it back up again i i, I enjoy the competition and i enjoy the um you know being out on, on the golf course and be my own boss and the only way i can do that is i can get my game back so if someone came to you and they said peter i got a different job for you i can start you off at x and x is the same or you know around the same ballpark financially where you're at now do you go for it, or are you just like, nah, I'm, I, I like where I'm at? What, what, you know, if you only enjoy when you play well, what's keeping you from trying something different? Well, my experience in any sort of job is you've got to be bloody good at it if you're going to be successful. And that takes a lot longer than people think, you know. People do university and they study for the, they get it. That only allows them to get a job in that field, then they've got to build themselves up, and that take you know probably takes 10, 15 years. You know, like you know the the successful guys are probably in their 40s and 50s and and 60s. They've been up and down as well. So you know, if I had another job, I'd have to work my ass off, and and um, you know it would still take that long. How do you think people perceive you? Me personally, just oh, hardworking and sort of dedicated but you know, that's that's what you get when you work for yourself I, there's no one to, I can't get anybody to do my job I have to train I have to practice I have to do my own bookings I've got to pay my own expenses and and uh, and no one can do it for you you've got to do it yourself so so it's it's um it makes you sort of single-minded and sort of you know it's quite selfish as far as families they, they put up with a lot to, that I can keep doing it you, you strike me as like a no BS kind of guy, right? And and I'll, and they'll be totally honest. I uh, when, when we were on that front night at Millbrook, and uh, and you hit that shot by the green, I was terrified. It, it it made me uncomfortable in a way that I don't really experience that often. And I'm only bringing it up on a human level because here I am as a person who's walking down the fairway with you, and I, you know, I want to get to know you, but I also don't want to get in your way. What is going on for you in that moment? Well, you know, I, I was. People only see one bad shot, you know. But I've I've hit quite. I've, I've been playing quite well, but I've been scoring badly, and that that was a perfect example. I'm in a good spot, got a good chance to make a birdie, and I make a bogey, you know. So I take four to get down from the edge of the green, you know. So I'm pretty pissed off with myself. No one else, you know. I only, I only ever I only ever get pissed off with myself. I don't handle a situation well, or I choose the wrong shot, or you know, I was sort of. You know, I was going for the for the birdie then, and that sort of forced forced the error. You were short side. You were trying to get the ball up and stopping quick. And in the end, how what do you take away from that? Well, you know, I just I just spent three hours working on my pitching. Three uh, hours, basically, yeah. because of that shot. Well, not that just that shot, but shots like that. And uh, you know, I just didn't get up and down once out of seven attempts this week in the two days, and that's just. You know, if you don't get up and down, you know, you can't, you can't um, hold your score together. At what point do you just, like, it's hard for me to tell. Like I said, like, I look at you, I don't know what's actually going on inside. 
But I feel like even for me, I'm just a clown. And I want to break a club when I hit a bad shot. You know, for you, I mean, obviously, you know, we, I don't see everything. But how do you manage that feeling of being disappointed? Well, you just, you know, in sport you do, nothing's ever perfect. And so you, you, um, you, you look and learn from it and, um, and you try to, you know, got, of course, management's a good way of not leaving yourself in awkward situations. Um, so, but you just got to battle it out, think about it and, and work on it. And then you can pull it off later, you know, when you, when you need to. What do you think about, we're almost done, by the way, sorry. We, what do you think about when you're, like, just walking? Because there's been, you, you know, we, we, we and mostly you guys professionals spend a lot of time in silence. And you don't have a caddy regularly that you're just sort of, or do you? I don't know. Did, no. No, we, we don't, um, you know, I don't play for enough money to have a caddy, permanent caddy. And that's, you know, certainly I'm playing the seniors tour most of the time. But a bunch of these things, I pick up guys that I've had, you know, on and off over the years, you know, friends and or, or guys that I know, and um, but you know, the, managing the silence is well, you know, like you stay in the moment. I once I hit my tee shot, you know, you've got a couple of minutes where you might chat to somebody, but it's usually only for about 200 yards off the tee. Now, now you're thinking about the next shot. Where's the pin position? Where's the wind coming from? Um, you know, what sort of live, is it downhill, uphill, is it side hill, you know, how can I get the ball in a position on the green? So you're thinking about, you, you, you're thinking of your next shot all the time. That's a, it's the best way to get your, um, your mind back in gear. What, do you, what have you got to do now? You know, and, and um, you know, and that is, there's my ball, I've got to get it to that position, you know, and, um, knowing whether it be left of the pin, short of the pin, or past the pin, or right of the pin with your approach shots. You know, is the ball going to spin? Is it going to do all those things? So it's all just thinking about the very next shot you've got to play. What's the, what's the watch we got here? What, what kind of, what, what, what is what it is? Oh, it's, a, it's my Rolex that I won for uh, European Senior Tour Player of the Year in 2011. So voted by the players, so that was a, it was a good, cool thing to win. That's probably more special in some than a lot of things you could win on tour. Well, it is, you know, like especially in Europe. I played, I grew up playing with uh, Seve Ballesteros, Bernard Langer, Ian Wisdom, Sandy Lyle, Nick Fowler, Lars Abala, Montgomery, and all these guys. And now, now I'm on the seniors tour with them, and to and to sort of win the Order Merit in 2011, which um, so the vote, players voted. But yeah, so that's that's really special to sort of grow up in that environment and then then have them vote for you do you see that when you look at that timepiece on your wrist yeah i do yeah it's a it's a i don't sort of take it off very often or always keep it on me so but it's a yeah it's a it's acknowledgement for all those hard years and to come back and sort of play the way i'm playing at the moment it's uh it's pretty good you've had a long career i wish you the best of success going forward i really am happy we got to spend time together in hindsight I wish that I had spent more time with you on the fairway talking and, and instead of sort of being worried that I was going to be in your way, uh, you know, getting that over uh, with yeah, sooner. You know, for, for the amateurs like yourself that are playing, you know, you're in, a, you're in a different environment than you normally play golf in, being in, in the middle of a professional golf tournament. A six-hour round, by the way. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's trying. They always take a, a, 
they always seem to take a long time for whatever reason. And well, there's a lot of players on the golf course that are, that always makes it difficult. But uh, the important thing is just to play your own game, really. You know, like, and uh, actually, sometimes when people try to get out of the way, they actually get in the way. You got you should play your own game and play your own ball and think about where you want to go and sort of and, and um, to get more into your own game and, and and not worry about getting out of the way. You know, it's, it's, it's really important that you play your, the shots you think you can play rather than the ones you think you should play. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's advice that I was giving my, my, my partner is just, you know, you can't do what you normally do. Don't, don't think, I think sometimes you, you're, um, the focus is a bit too external. Get back into your game and hit the shot you know you can hit. Next year, if I come back, if you come back, can we be on the same team? There you go. I, th I think we make a good team. Yeah. You strike me as, in closing, you strike me as one of these guys, and I don't think this very often, I don't say it very often, but you, you seem completely at home on any part of the golf course, and that's a really cool thing for me to watch as an amateur, as a person who loves watching good golf and watching people, you know, break it down and make decisions. So it was a, it was a privilege and an honor to be able to play golf with you. No, it was great fun, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's a great place, isn't it? Yeah. Queenstown to come and play golf. This has got the scenery, the golf courses are in great shape, and, um, you know, with all the things you've got to do around here you can take chopper rides and raft do some uh, white water rafting and bungee jumping you've got everything you want to do here do you get into the uh what, what from of new zealand's offerings what do you get into the most well i, I really enjoyed the rafting i've done probably half a dozen over my life you know not for a few years now but I, you know like, it's great fun and uh, get in that cold water and that and uh, you know sample the delights you know don't mind sitting in a winery now, now and then Awesome, man. Well, thank you for your time again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah.